0: We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Outschool will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code PurpleRocket to learn all about Outschool summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa, Grandma, and the twins made plans with the other Globetrotters on how they were going to stop Captain Drake and the Black Feather from getting their hands on the ice dial in Antarctica. The magical artifact allows any Globetrotter to time travel to any time period they want, whenever they want. Sawyer and Susie had no idea that time traveling with globes was even possible. It's called time-spinning, and many of the other Globetrotters that have helped them have done it. In fact, some of the Globetrotters are from different time periods, sent here by their globes to fight the Black Feather. With Dante's help, the twins tested it out by turning their globe upside down before spinning it. After traveling far enough back to see dinosaurs, they returned home by touching their tethers to the ground and shouting, ''Home!'' Now that they know what kind of power they are up against, the twins and other globetrotters are ready for battle. They joined hands and touched the globe, which was calling them to Antarctica. And now for Season 2, Episode 13, Time Spinners. Two of Captain Drake's ships sat anchored in the frigid Arctic, Floating in the shadow of a massive glacier that stretched high above them. The glacier's icy cliff groaned and cracked, occasionally dropping small chunks of ice into the water. Nearby, Drake's crew shivered in their black feather coats as they loaded crates. They'd frantically salvaged what they could from the brown ship after it was split in half and sunk by the pipes of thunder. And now they were stashing whatever treasures they'd recovered into the hull of the remaining two ships. A couple of mates glanced nervously up at the huge blue cliff of ice next to them, and watched as a boulder-sized chunk broke off and splashed down into the water. Looky here, one of them said, leaning overboard. The other pirate looked and saw a dark shadow swimming just below the emerald surface. Sackiller whale the pirate said, his eyes wide. Probably not the best place for a swim, eh? (laughs) For a short moment, the orca surfaced and blew freezing water from its blowhole. Come on, the other pirate said, motioning to the crate next to them. Captain wants it all ready to go before he gets back. Struggling to rub warmth back into their hands, they heaved the crate up off the deck and carried it down into the ship. High above them, on the flat top of the glacier, Captain Drake and a handful of his men were trekking across the ice in search of the ice dial. Drake was using his jeweled sword as a cane to keep him from slipping, and his coin-covered coat and boots jingled as they marched. A mousy little man by his side scanned over ancient scrolls, muttering to himself, and a big bald pirate walking in the back of the group frowned at the seemingly endless white barren landscape. You sure we're in the right spot? Drake spat, glaring at the nothingness in front of him through his one good eye. I'm sure, cap'n, the short mate stuttered. He says, he glanced between the scroll and the path ahead, that it's that way, probably only a few hundred feet more. The nervous mate struggled to hide the doubt in his voice. Drake stared straight ahead. A flurry of snow blew by and then settled, revealing a distant object on the ice. Drake grinned. Those scrolls might not be useless after all. Hurry up, you worthless worms. Time's ticking. To his great annoyance, he was forced to stop abruptly when a group of emperor penguins decided to waddle across his path. "'Will you move?' he roared, trying to push through them. Unperturbed, the penguins didn't even bother to look at him. They just waddled across the ice, squawking, peeping, and bonking into his legs. "'Blast these things! Move!' The other pirates grunted angrily as they too struggled to push through the waddling traffic jam. Back on the black ship, a gust of snowy wind swirled across the deck and filled the dirty sails. Crack! In a flash of blue, Grandpa, Grandma, the twins, and their globetrotter friends suddenly appeared on the ship. The black feather crew nearby dropped their crates in surprise. "'Oh, oh, I'm definitely not dressed warm enough for this,' Sawyer said, "'instantly feeling the chill run down his spine. "'He could see his breath so well it was like his mouth had turned into a fire extinguisher. (sighs) "'Did anybody bring an extra pair of gloves?' "'Sawyer, you knew we were coming to Antarctica,' Susie scolded. "'It's an ice-covered continent!' Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was too busy strapping this humongous globe to my chest to think through the details. Susie shook her head and handed him an extra pair of gloves from her bag. we by the South Pole for crying out loud. It's the coldest place on Earth. People don't even live here, it's so cold. Scientists just come and go, but that's about it. Someone obviously read the guidebook on Antarctica before coming. Sawyer scoffed, struggling to put on his sister's gloves. I like to be prepared for our missions, unlike someone I know. Ignoring the twins' argument, Dante and the other Globetrotters drew their weapons. All around them, the Black Feather crew were doing the same. Susie drew her weapon, the magnifying glass. Show us where Captain Drake is, she commanded. The magnifying glass swirled and then filled with an image of Drake and his mates marching across the glacier. Susie looked up at the huge blue cliff next to the boat. They're up there! Grandpa looked at the others. Everyone knows what they're doing? Everyone nodded. Alf took a deep breath of cold air and beamed. Ah, couldn't ask for a better day to pluck some feathers. He twirled his massive Viking axe in his hands. Dora reached into her bag for her piping hot tamales while Enigo Montoya drew his sword, tossed his hair, and shouted, You killed my father? Prepare to die! With an echoing roar, the Black Feather crew charged. Alf and the other Globetrotters collided with them and began fighting on deck. Swords clashed, clubs whacked, Hot tamales burned. Alf swatted pirates away with his axe and tossed an occasional mate overboard with one massive hand. The icy splashes made everyone with an earshot cringe. We'll go gather the artifacts, eh? Barry said. He waved for Harry, Shaka and Harish to follow him down into the hole of the ship. Get back! Get back! Grandma drew her samurai sword and flipped it around, blocking and slashing at the attacking pirates. Are we gonna just sit here and enjoy the show or are we gonna go get that dial? Hop on, Grandpa said, reaching for the wheelchair's joystick. Grandma and the twins hopped onto his lap while Dante grabbed onto the side. Grandpa pressed the button and the wheelchair blasted up off the deck. Up on the glacier, Drake and his men were finally finished pushing through the obnoxious penguins. The object on the ice up ahead was getting much closer. It looked like some sort of statue. A loud screech sounded behind them, and Drake's fat crow came swooping in. It let out a few more screeches as it landed on Drake's shoulder, jingling his coat's coins. That's a good bird. Now, go wait with the ships. The crow squawked and fluttered off his shoulder. Drake turned to his men. They're here, he snarled. Be ready. His men drew their swords and looked behind them. A tiny dot was shooting high over the glacier towards them. "Um, Captain, said the mousy pirate with the scrolls. Drake glared over his shoulder, his coin eye patch glinting in the sun. Hand me the bagpipes. High above, Grandpa, Grandma, Dante, and the twins flew in the wheelchair towards Drake and his mates, the freezing wind numbing their faces. Just when I thought this place couldn't get any colder, Sawyer complained. Oh, I need a glove for my face. There they are, Susie said, pointing to Drake's small band of pirates below. I'm bringing her down. Grandpa said, beginning their descent. Dante eyed Drake's coin-covered coat that gleamed in the sunlight, his face full of anticipation. "'Remember, the captain's mine!' "'Fine with us,' Grandma said, clenching her sword. "'Grandpa and I will hold off the others while the twins get the ice dial.' "'Here we go!' Grandpa landed the wheelchair in front of Drake and his men, and they skidded across the ice. Once they'd stopped, Sawyer and Susie hopped off the wheelchair and looked up at the object in front of them. It was a huge ice sculpture of an hourglass. A magical flurry of twinkling blue snow swirled in its upper and lower bulbs. It's beautiful, Susie whispered. But it's not a dial, Sawyer said, looking at it confused. Maybe it's just a marker for the real treasure, Susie wondered. Behind them, Dante drew his sword and stepped towards the captain. It's over, Drake. Hand us the pipes. Drake held up the bagpipes and chuckled. What, these? But I thought it'd be nice to have a little music for our reunion. ''Your Blackfeather crew is being defeated as we speak,'' Grandpa growled. ''Your ships and all of your stolen treasure and artifacts belong to the Globetrotter Society now.'' Drake chuckled again and his mates followed suit. (laughs) ''You think it's over, old man? You didn't think I'd know your pathetic club of self-righteous, ball-spinning bandits would be back?'' They're all far too obvious. If anything, my crew is keeping them distracted while I get the final treasure. You see, worms, once I get my hands on the ice dial, I'll simply wind back time and get all my treasure back. Time will obey my every command. Dante's expression softened. Drake, please, let's not end it like this, mate. We both know the dial is too much power for any one person to handle. Let it go. Let it go? Like you let me go? Drake spat. Your words mean nothing to me. You mean nothing to me. I'm not quick to forget being betrayed by my other half. Face quivering with fury, Drake raised the pipes to his mouth. Goodbye, brother. Drake, no! With a hard blow, the bagpipes hummed to life and the ice split in every direction. Everyone dove out of the way as giant cracks cut through the glacier and separated to form wide, deep canyons of blue. A couple of Drake's own men lost their footing and slipped down into the canyon's abyss. A crack sliced between Grandpa's wheels. Before he could react, the ground beneath him split apart and he dropped through. Kip! Kip! Grandma cried. Seconds later, Grandpa reappeared, hovering out of the canyon using the wheelchair's jetpack. Ellie, I love this chair, he shouted as he landed the wheelchair onto a safe patch of ice. Susie jumped out of the way of a quickly splitting crack and pulled Sawyer to safety before he could slip down into it. Thanks, he said, catching his breath. With a thunderous crack, the ground split up to the hourglass and the ice in front of it crumbled. As it gave way, a shallow chamber of ice was revealed below and in it, shimmering blue, was the ice dial. Drake tossed the bagpipes aside and slowly walked up to the gaping hole to look down at it. The dial was as big as a tire and completely made of ice. Magical blue swirls shimmered along its edges that were marked with ancient symbols. Dante jumped over a wide crack and pointed his sword at Drake's back. Let it be. Never! Never! Drake drew his sword and spun around. Their blades clashed. Nobody can stop me! Drake bellowed. Nobody! With agile swings, ducks, and sliding twists, the two men began sword fighting on the ice. Drake's remaining mates drew their swords and tried to run to Drake's aid, but Grandma and Grandpa jumped in their way and started fighting them off, Grandma using her samurai sword and Grandpa using the wheelchair's various gadgets. Sawyer and Susie looked at the ice-dialed chamber and then at each other. Back on the ship, Alf and the other Globetrotters were fighting the Black Feather Pirates. Inigo was easily handling three pirates at once as he spun his sword all around and slid down the frozen stair railing. Achara kicked, flipped, and punched with incredible speed, yanking swords out of pirates' hands in a blur and swiping their legs out from under them. Alf was chopping at the main mast of the ship, as if it were an enormous tree. Another hard thwack, and... Timber! With a loud groan, the mast split and crashed overboard. Down below deck, Hari Shaka and the Canadians were stuffing their bags with Drake's stolen artifacts. They kept glancing up nervously as the sounds of battle grew louder. Was that the mast? Barry said, tilting an ear. Shaka shook his head. Alf is at it again. Uh, he cannot help himself, Harish added with a sigh, throwing another artifact in the bag. If it is tall and made of wood, he has to cut it down. What are we going to do with all of the treasure? Shaka said, nodding to the mountain of treasure behind them. Harish smiled and shrugged. Spend it? Harry let out a grunting laugh. (laughs) Barry glanced around the room. Hey now, wasn't there supposed to be some kind of magical camera? On the glacier, Drake's huge bald mate pulled the magical camera out of a bag and aimed it at Grandma. Ellie, don't look at the flash. Before Grandpa could get out his warning, the camera flashed and Grandma froze mid-swing. Her sword held high above her. Furious, Grandpa pressed the button on his wheelchair and a boxing glove sprang out and smashed the camera, sending the bald mace sliding back across the ice. Another pirate grabbed the magnifying glass out of Susie's hand. No, she cried. The scruffy pirate laughed as he held up the magical artifact. Crack! The ice split beneath him and the man disappeared down an icy canyon. The same crack continued through the ice towards Sawyer. Sawyer, look out! Sawyer dove out of the way in time for the crack to pass by him and split open. Beyond it, Captain Drake and Dante slid across the ice, their blades whipping through the air and clashing with every strike. They hopped over cracks as they fought. Every few seconds, Drake's huge crow would swoop down and try to peck at Dante's head, Making him duck, block, swipe, duck, block, swipe, duck. Coming up from a duck, Drake punched him back several feet. Dante ran back towards him and slid on his knees to dodge another vicious swoop from the crow. He continued to slide, spinning on his knees, clashing swords with Drake with every rotation as the captain backstepped. Dante jumped to his feet and swiped through the air. The crow screeched and fell to the ice. No! Drake screamed. He charged Dante with even more fury. A couple hard jabs and he knocked Dante's sword out of his hand, making him slide back on the ice. But before Drake could deal a final blow, Dante kicked his sword off the ground. It bounced off Drake's face before Dante caught it, spun and cut across the captain's shoulder, sending coins skittering across the ice. Drake fell back and stumbled into an open canyon but before he could fall into the blue abyss, he rammed his sword into the ice of the canyon wall and dangled from it. Dante, he cried. Dante, please. Dante slid to the canyon's edge and looked over it. Drake was hanging from his sword just within arm's reach. The blade was slowly losing its hold. Brother, help me. Drake looked down at the darkness below him and whimpered. Conflicted, Dante stared down at him and hesitated, tears filling his eyes. "'I'm sorry,' he shouted back to him. "'No, please! You can't let me die like this! We we can make things right!' Dante shook his head. "'I can't. It's too late!' Drake's trembling face looked up at him, desperate and afraid. We can fix it, Dante. We always have. Please. The ice cracked around his sword. He was slipping. Dante clenched his jaw and punched the ice. Blast! Stabbing his sword into the ice and holding onto it with one hand for support, he stretched out his other hand and grabbed hold of his brother. With all the strength he had left, he heaved him back onto the flat surface. As soon as Drake was safe, he yanked Dante's sword free and sliced it across Dante's chest. No! the twins cried as Dante collapsed. Fool! Drake spat. His coin coat jingled as he turned and ran to the ice dial chamber. Carefully, he jumped down into it and picked up the dial. It glowed in his hands. Around him, the chamber's clear icy walls were full of frozen globes as far as the eye could see. It's mine! Drake laughed. It's mine! He held the dial up in celebration. His cheers made Sawyer and Susie's heart sink. It was over. Drake had the ice dial. Outside the shallow chamber, more cracks spread through the ice like freezing bolts of lightning. Susie dove out of the way before one could split open beneath her. When she landed, the guidebook flew out of her bag and slid across the ice, stopping on the edge of an ice canyon. A cold wind blew through the pages and then stopped. The guidebook shimmered. Its pages opened wide despite the continued breeze. Susie quickly crawled towards it and glanced down at the open page. Ink slowly appeared on the paper until it gradually formed a drawing of a globe. Arrows turned around it, and then another image of a globe appeared below it, upside down. A look of realization crossed Susie's face. She looked up at Sawyer. "'Sawyer! The globe!' Sawyer slowly glanced down at the globe sticking out of his chest plate. It was glowing bluish-purple. He looked back at Susie, who was trying to gesture for him to flip it. Everything seemed to be in slow motion, even the thoughts running through his head. What was she trying to say? Do a cartwheel? That's a dumb idea. His eyes slowly scanned the scene. Grandma frozen with her sword in the air. Grandpa helplessly fighting off the remaining pirates with his chair and glancing back at Drake's celebration. Susie soundlessly shouting at him. Dante hunched over holding his chest. And he saw Drake climbing up out of the ice chamber holding the dial high. The globe! globe. Susie's words echoed in his mind. Something, something, upside down. Upside down. It finally clicked. Sawyer pulled the globe off his chest plate, turned it upside down, and then clicked it back into place. As he did, the purplish glow grew brighter. With a trembling hand, Sawyer slowly gave it a spin. Silence. Everything around him blurred across the ice, fuzzy shapes moving quickly in reverse, blanketed in snowy swirls of wind. The moving shapes slowed as the globe came to a stop, and a spot shone on its surface. Sawyer reached out and touched it. Sound returned. His surroundings came back into focus. He looked up. Grandpa was fighting off the pirates with his sword and wheelchair. A scruffy pirate standing in front of Susie was holding up the magnifying glass and laughing. He disappeared suddenly as a crack split open in the ice beneath him. The same crack was now making its way towards him. Wait a second. This looks familiar. Sawyer, look out! Susie shouted. Sawyer awkwardly dove out of the way before the crack had split open beneath him. As he slid to a stop, it dawned on him. I reverse time. I'm getting another chance. He looked up at Dante, who had his back to him and was hunched over the edge of a canyon talking to Drake. Sawyer looked over at the chamber and the huge ice hourglass. Jumping to his feet, he ran for it. He ran past Grandpa and the other pirates. He ran past Susie, who watched him confused. He ran past Dante and Drake, who dangled from a sword in the canyon. He hopped over cracks and slid to a stop behind the hourglass. Lowering his shoulder, he rammed into it. The hourglass tilted then fell back into place. He shoved again and again. Drake's pleading cries for help echoed in his ears. He pushed harder. The hourglass slid an inch. Another hard push and this time it slid a whole foot. Surprised, he opened his eyes and saw Susie pushing the hourglass next to him. Together, she said. One, two, three. They gave it one last shove and the hourglass tipped over and fell into the chamber. It smashed into the ice dial, crushing it to pieces. An explosion of blue light shot up out of the hole and sent a beam piercing into the sky. Dante, who was reaching down to grab Drake, stopped to look at the blast. He stared at the blue pillar of light in awe. No! A sharp cry drew his attention back to the canyon, but all he could see was Drake's sword tumbling down the icy walls and a shadow fading into the abyss. Drake, Drake, he cried. Drake's pirates had stopped fighting Grandpa and were watching the blue blast of light themselves. The ice was splitting even more around them. Grandpa quickly rode up to Grandma and pulled her frozen body onto his lap. The twins ran up to Dante and pulled him away from the canyon. No, no! Dante cried. Dante, we have to go, Sawyer told him. The glacier's breaking apart, Susie yelled. They managed to pull him over to Grandpa, cracks splitting open all around them. Everyone hopped onto Grandpa's wheelchair just in time for him to ignite the jetpack. The ice beneath them split apart and they dropped. Susie screamed as she felt her stomach jump up into her throat. The wheelchair's jetpack ignited and they flew up out of the deep canyon. Hold on, Grandpa told them. He gave the joystick a push and they soared over the crumbling glacier, leaving Drake's pirates behind. When they landed back on Drake's black ship, most of the globe trotters were already waiting for them on deck. Around them, huge chunks of ice were breaking off the nearby glacier and splashing down into the water. Many of the pirates were abandoning ship on rowboats. Did you stop him? Alf shouted over the noise of the crumbling glacier. We stopped him, Susie said out of breath. Did you get the artifacts? Harish, Shaka and the Canadians came running up out of the hole. We got him, eh? Barry cheered. Grandpa glanced up at the huge ice chunks falling into the water. It's coming down. Quick, everyone huddle up. The Globetrotters huddled around Sawyer, who flipped the globe right side up, attached it and gave it a spin. Home glowed on its surface. Sawyer touched it. They disappeared just as several enormous pieces of glacier broke off and smashed into Drake's ships. In huge splashes of ice and wood, the boats broke apart. Freezing water gurgling around them, the mangled ships sank into the depths of the icy ocean and disappeared in the dark waters. Swirls of gold coins and rubies caught the last rays of sun and twinkled before following the ship's remains into the darkness. Killer whales clicked and hummed as they circled the shadows of the wreckage. After spinning through a tornado of cold darkness, the twins found themselves back in Grandpa's treehouse. There was no heat in the little fort and the evening air was crisp, but it was nothing compared to the frigid wind of Antarctica so the twins savored it. Sawyer quickly took off the chest plate with the globe, and immediately he could feel the relief in his back. Most of the globe charters were already celebrating, giving each other hugs and laughing. Grandpa was not among them. "'Sawyer, Susie, there are buckets in the garage,' he said urgently, flecks of ice still in his beard. "'Fill them up with warm water and put as much salt in them as you can. "'Go!' Without another word, Sawyer and Susie glided down the zip line, ran into the garage, and grabbed whatever buckets they could find. Minutes later, they were climbing back up the treehouse ladder with buckets overflowing with warm salt water. Grandpa carefully propped Grandma up in the middle of the room and motioned for everyone to stand back. Okay, on the count of three, throw the water on her. Ready? Ready. One, two... Three! Sawyer and Susie emptied their buckets of water over Grandma. Splash! Sling! Crash! In a flash, Grandma unfroze and finished her sword swing, slicing the little table in front of her clean in half. Everyone stared at it, impressed. Grandma shook the water out of her hair and slowly calmed herself. That stupid camera! She looked at Grandpa. How'd we do? Grandpa smiled. The twins, they they did it. They destroyed the ice dial. (laughs) Of course they did. Get over here, you two. Grandma gave the twins a big hug and kissed them a dozen times on their heads. I didn't think it could be done, Alf said joyfully. He raised his frost-covered axe. To the twins! The Globetrotters cheered. Hip, hip! Hurray! Hep, hip Hurray! The twins blushed. Alf put a huge arm around both of them. "'Well, my work here is done. Best I get going.' He ruffled Sawyer and Susie's hair with his massive hands. "'Farewell, my friends. I don't wish your time to be troubled again, but if it is, I look forward to the globe's call.' He shot them a wink and then stepped back, knelt down, and touched his axe to the floor. Home, he said. The Viking vanished. One by one, the other globetrotters said their farewells and disappeared. The time spinners touching their tethers to the floor and saying home, and the others borrowing Grandpa's globe to jump home. At last, Dante was the only one left. He sat quietly, hunched over in a nearby chair, staring at the floor, his cavalier hat in his gloved hands. Susie walked over and put a hand on his back. I'm sorry about your brother, she said. Dante sniffed and then shook his head. You have nothing to be sorry about, Dove. You did well. He forced a smile and then got to his feet. I'm sorry I couldn't help him. The truth is, I waited too long to reconnect, too long to talk any sense into him. Sawyer considered telling him that Drake would have killed him had Dante helped him out of the canyon, but something about the moment told him to hold back. Dante put his hat on and crouched down in front of the twins. Losing a twin is like losing a part of yourself. I may never be the same again, but you two still have each other. Cherish it. This, he pointed playfully between them, your bond, that, my friends, is the real treasure. Sawyer and Susie looked at each other with a surprised smile. They hadn't realized Dante and Drake were twins. Dante took out his dagger and turned the tether in his fingers. He looked up from it at Sawyer and whispered, How did it feel, lad? Sawyer swallowed. He knew what he meant. It was kind of scary to tell you the truth. That's okay. It's all right. You'll get used to it, mate. Dante smiled. Sawyer couldn't believe it. How do you know? As if reading his mind, Dante said, There was a twinkle about you. Not everyone can see it, but I can. Just a twinkle's all. But I knew... Sawyer opened his mouth to tell Dante what had happened between him and Drake before he'd time-spun, but Dante stopped him. Ah, uh-uh, Dante held up a finger. You don't owe us an explanation. What's done has been redone. Your globe clearly thinks highly of you two. It trusts you, and now I can see why. Trust it, all right, see? The twins nodded. Dante jabbed his knife into the wood floor, and Grandma almost got after him for it, but Grandpa waved her back. Dante grinned. I'll see you around, Time Spinners. He tipped his hat and said, Home. The musketeer was gone. Time Spinners, Grandpa repeated after a few seconds of silence. What is he talking about? And a twinkle? I didn't see any twinkle, did you? Ellie shrugged at him. Say, how did you two know to run over and push the hourglass over like that? We're just geniuses, Grandpa, Sawyer said, and he and Susie laughed. Can somebody please get me a towel? Grandma said, shaking water off her arms. There, I bet there's a button for that. "'Grandpa said, fiddling with the wheelchair's controls. "'There's got to be some kind of dryer here somewhere.' "'There is, but it's not that button, Kip. "'No, no, Kip, don't press that.' "'Grandpa pressed it anyway, and the chair started to sway side to side. "'What the? What's happening?' "'It's dancing, Kip. Now turn it off.' "'Why on earth would you make a chair that can dance?' Look at this thing. It's like it has hips. Turn it off, Kip. I'm trying. Susie looked at her brother for a second and slowly shook her head. I can't believe you did it, she said quietly. Sawyer raised his eyebrows and then glanced over his shoulders before looking back at her. How'd you know? You saw the twinkle too? (laughs) No, Susie giggled. You left the globe in your chest plate upside down on our flight back to the boats. Plus, you never react that quickly in situations like that. Do too? Uh huh, right. I'm a bona fide ninja, Suze. His head bobbed. Oh, okay, I did have some help, he admitted. You may have been the one who gave me the idea. You told me to turn it upside down and spin it. Really? <laughs> really? Sawyer gave her a reluctant smile. As always, I couldn't have done it without you. Aw, that's sweet, Sawyer, and so true. Susie gave him a hug. On the other side of the room, Grandpa jumped up out of his dancing wheelchair. You try and turn this thing off, Ellie. Maybe I will. Grandma paused and looked Grandpa over. Cap, look at you. You're standing up straight. Grandpa looked himself over, surprised. Would you look at that? I am. To everyone's amazement, he took a few steps before wincing in pain. (laughs) I'm going down. I'm going down. Grandma and the twins helped him sit on a chair. Too much, too soon, Grandma said. But progress. Grandpa nodded with a satisfied smile. Yeah, progress indeed. His bushy eyebrows frowned. What's that? He pointed to a few bulging bags on the other side of the treehouse. Sawyer and Susie walked over and opened them. After peeking inside, they slowly looked up at each other. They're the magical artifacts from Drake's ships, Susie said. The Globetrotters left them. The room went quiet. I got dibs on the helmet, Sawyer announced, pulling the helmet from one of the bags. I don't think so, bub, Grandpa said. Those things could be dangerous. Put it down. Oh, Kip, let him look at it, Grandma said. Ellie, what if he puts it on and his head shrinks? Why on earth would there be an artifact that shrinks heads? Sawyer and Susie's laughter drowned out their argument as they sifted through the dozens of magical artifacts in the bags. Together, they tried on helmets and old dusty gloves and relived some of their favorite moments from their globetrotting adventures. And both of them, without having to say it, knew that Dante was right. They were lucky to have each other. Okay, Rocketeers, that was the season finale of season two of Grandpa's Globe. I hope you liked it. I'm not going to lie, I barely made it through that. I've been losing my voice this week, and I tried to give it a couple extra days to recover, and uh, I don't know what to tell you. You probably heard it. I I almost lost my voice completely. But we made it. We made it to the end of the season. And I really had fun with this one. And it opens up some really cool doors for the next season in the future. So we'll have to see where this goes. In case you didn't notice, I threw some stuff in there about Antarctica. we don't talk about it very much. And it is an incredible place. It is a huge ice-covered continent. And it's the site of the South Pole. It's the southernmost part of our planet. It's made up of ice and rock. And in some places, the ice is more than 13,000 feet or 4,000 meters thick. Rocketeers, that's crazy. That's ten and a half times taller than the Empire State Building. In ice! It's huge! The continent is almost twice as big as Australia and one and a half times the size of the United States. But what's so interesting is it's that big and is uninhabitable. If you remember in the story, Susie said that... It's just basically scientists that go there. I mean, it's one of the coldest, windiest places on Earth, so there are no permanent residents there. I think you only get about one to 10,000 people living there at various times of the year. And they're just scientists who are there temporarily doing research. But cool fact, it does contain 90% of the world's ice. Oh, think of all that fresh water. That's pretty incredible. Anyway, Antarctica, cool place. Cool finale place, too, huh? I want to give some shout-outs to some of our patrons, Stella and her mom, Paulette, from Montreal, Canada. hey yo! Thank you for listening. I hear you moved recently from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Hope you're adjusting well and eating lots of sushi, since I hear that you really love sushi, and that's a good way to just kind of... Smooth things over. Just stuff your face with sushi. Good stuff. And we also have Elias and Tobias from Missoula, Montana. Oh, hey You guys are amazing. And Missoula is amazing. It's a beautiful place. And the name of that city is so cool. It sounds like the name of a character. It's like Missoula. Come, Missoula. Come with me. It's the name. And you guys must be cool for being from there. Thank you for supporting the show. Also, a big shout-out to eight-year-old Sue. Sue, thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you like that season finale. Rocketeers, check out the Patreon page. Uh, we have the ad-free episodes with read-along transcripts. Um, you can download the MP3s from there if you want. Um, you can get a very special custom message in your favorite character's voice if you want, You know, depending on what tier you choose. And also you occasionally will get an original bedtime story that I tell to my kids. I'm going to do a Halloween story here in a few days. So stay tuned for that. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Purple Rocket Podcast. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Purple Rocket Podcast. It's a great way to support the show. Uh, It's really helpful. So check it out. And please continue leaving reviews, sharing the stories with your friends, uh, and spreading the word. Rocketeers. I love getting your emails. I love getting your feedback and hearing what episodes or seasons you like. Um, my voice sounds so different. Listen, to uh, My voice is going and it's, <laughs> I sound like a different person. But I love getting your feedback. Uh, if you draw pictures, those are super fun to get. You can send them my way through the website or on the Facebook page. Whatever's easier, guys. Send them my way. I love it. And be sure to tune in next time for an all-new episode of the Purple Rocket. I almost forgot, I need to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb. She's been editing these stories, and a lot of times on really short notice, like right before I'm about to record. So, Mom, thank you so much for your help and for helping me clean up some of these sentences, paragraphs, just the plot holes. She's she's really good at catching that stuff. Mom, you're awesome. And Rocketeers, you're awesome. Be sure to tune in for an all-new episode of the Purple Rocket coming your way. This is your host, Greg Webb.